And Father, I, I just thank you for uh, the blessing of everybody in, in here. Um, I appreciate each of them, um, and I appreciate you in them. Father, we've been talking about it, but we can't do anything of value for you um, on our own. Anything of value we do for you is simply you working through us. It's a, it's a result of what you do in us. And so I just thank you. I thank you that you want us to experience the abundant life in you, which, which isn't riches, <laughs> which, which isn't even necessarily health, um, but it is a life, a life of peace, a life of joy, a life of purpose, um, a life of contentment regardless of circumstances. Father, and, and that is the life, the abundant life you have for us. And I just thank you that that's possible through your Son. I thank you that Jesus came. He gave His life so that we could live, um, so that we could not only have eternal life, but, but be adopted as sons and daughters of the King. Uh, we are all about you, Father. All about you. It's all for you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, guys. Um, you know, just a quick update. I see that there are some new faces. If you look there... Our mission statement, to expand the kingdom of God in our lives uh, and the world around us. We're, we're serious about that. That's not just a, a saying. We're serious that we want to grow the kingdom of God. You know, the kingdom of God we've, we've talked about is wherever God is at work. You know, what is a kingdom? A kingdom has a king. The king's in charge. Um, a kingdom has citizens. And so God's kingdom, God is the king, but he's also the father. We looked at that. He's our Abba. He's our daddy. And we get to be citizens of, of his kingdom. Um, but to expand his kingdom in our lives means he gains more and more control over us. And so uh, that has to happen first. And then we expand the kingdom in the world around us. And we, we're serious about that. You know, God really laid it on our hearts. And he's, he's done it one step at a time. We're not about common ground. We're called common ground uh, because Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians that I, I'm all things to all people so I might win some for Christ. And the New Living says, I find common ground with all men. So that's where that name comes from. But we're not about us. We hope to grow because we hope to see people come to Him, experience the freedom we have and grow. But we really want to see His kingdom grow, which means... The other churches, there are a lot of good churches around here. Uh, we got Life Point right here. We've got Hilltop Church. We've got High Sierra. We've got Grace. We want to see all those churches grow. <laughs> you know, and, and even if we're doing evangelism, we're living it, and people go to those churches, that's a success. We want to see the kingdom grow. Um, we're not about us. And I, I appreciated Alex's prayer. We, we want to stay humble because it is about him. And when he does real things, to be honest, when has God done great things in your life? You know it's Him. <laughs> you can't take credit for it. And so that's, that's what we're about. Um, you find us today. We're going to be in Acts. So go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2. If you have one of these Bibles, it's page 629. If you need a Bible, uh, raise your hand and Taylor's going to give you one. Anybody need a Bible? Cindy needs a Bible. We need two up here. So that's three. Thank you, Taylor. Um... And these are yours. Keep them. We, we got them cheap. Um, but we use these so that we can say page 629. It's the English Standard Version. I think it's good. There's a lot of good versions out there. Um, but what we're in, we've been talking about up. You know, our relationship with God. We've been adopted. We are sons and daughters of the King. And now we're in our third week of, of life change. We were talking about life change. Isn't life change possible? And we kind of started this series three weeks ago asking the question, what about you would you like to see changed? Now, I'm not talking about your hair color or, you know, I wish I was skinnier or I wish I was bigger. You know, we're talking really about your character. Are there sin issues in your life that you'd like to see changed? 
Are there habits, addictions that you'd like to see changed? We all have ways to grow. And if you don't, that means you've arrived and you're dead. Um, but we all have things. I have many things in, in me that I want to see grow and I want to see changed. And how is that change possible? And the first week was really the key. Life change is possible because of Jesus in you. Jesus, and you see that right here um, on, on up. Jesus is the essence of transformation. You can't do it without depending on Him. And so we talked about how's your time with Him? How, a relationship is time. And then we talked about last week the Word. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of, of soul and spirit, of joint and marrow, and judging the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If your life isn't changing the way you want it to, are you spending time in the Word? If you're not, it's not going to change. It's not going to change because this is, it's the information for life change, but it's more than that. It's the power. <laughs> you know, if you've ever read it and wondered, man, this person was writing to me or they've been, they've been spying on me. It's because that's the way God designed this. But today, we're looking at, at something you might not expect with life change. And the point is this, I'll just give you the point right out. Community is the context for transformation. And that's also on here. That's in. So we're kind of beginning, we're transitioning from up to in. In. Community is the context for transformation. Uh, the first series, oh, it's here. So you have this cocoon, you know, and the source for, for a caterpillar becoming a, um, a butterfly. I have no idea what the source is actually. But we talked about a branch. <laughs> you know, and, and life change happens when you abide in Jesus. So that's where the energy is. But the context, the cocoon where life change happens is community. It's, it's us as a group. We're not supposed to do it together. Um, my favorite, used to be my favorite, one of my favorite actors is John Wayne. Now, since I've gotten married, Callie doesn't let me watch John Wayne very much. Um, she thinks he's boring. I don't know. Yeah, I love John Wayne. You know why I love John? I, I think I actually showed this once when I taught. I showed a, a clip where John Wayne takes on four, you know, outlaws, and he puts the reins in his teeth, and he has a, a rifle and a pistol, and he's cocking the rifle with one hand, and, and somehow he kills all of them, <laughs> you know, or maybe one gets away and he pops them, you know, but John Wayne can do it all himself, you know, or Jason Statham movies, you know, Jason Statham, it's him against like a hundred ninjas, and he wins, you know, and, and we men, I think especially, we, we love that, because that's our, our American individualism, our, our rugged, you know, I can do it. And when it comes to life, to a certain extent, I, I struggle with that. I struggle with doing things alone. You know, if you want something done right, do it yourself, right? Um, you know, as a, as a contractor, I, did a, I built a wall. It was a block wall, and I had to travel to Fresno to do it. And this wall was about 150 feet long and about 11 feet tall. And, the, you know, and I built the whole thing by myself in a month. You know, and there's some, you know, look what I did. I was dead. It was awful. Um, when Doug and Galen, they're not here, my in-laws, when they built their house, um, I was helping. And, and they have this, this ring, I don't even know what you call it, but, but this framing ring that, that goes up and it's decorative and it's neat. And normally you would have three guys and you would build that and put it up. Well, I didn't have anybody else, so I devised this system of pulleys and ropes. And, and I would pull this one, then I would pull this one and come up and tack it in. And, and the result is it got done, but, but not the right way. And the ultimate result of, of my lifestyle of doing things myself is I had surgery last year on my shoulder, um, arthritis. I'm 36 years old. And when they were doing this, this x-ray on it, he looked at it and said, wow, I've never seen arthritis like this in anybody under 65 years old. Thanks. <laughs> so, you know, you can do things alone, 
but there's a toll. There's a toll. And to be honest, when, when we take that into our, our lives, our spiritual realm, I would contend you can't do it alone. I would contend you can't. You can get a certain distance by yourself, maybe, but life change really happens together. Um, the question I, I put in my notes is, why don't we? You know, why even me? I, why didn't I ask for help doing the wall? Why didn't? A couple things. One, money. <laughs> I wanted to make more money, so I did it all myself. Um, so pride, I think, is an aspect why we do things alone, isn't it? Or the second, we don't want to put other people out. You know, I need to do this. Oh, David's, you know, he lives over here. I, I could call David to help me. Oh, he's busy. He's got seven kids and three jobs. And, you know, we don't want to put other people out. You know, and some of that's okay. But how often does somebody call you and say, hey, I need help? And you, you love to help. You jump at that. I think the third reason, and, and when we come into the context of life transformation, and we're talking relationships, why don't we give time to relationships? I think one is pride, because you have to admit your weakness. I think two is you don't want to put people out, but then there's a third reason, at least for me, and it's laziness. Relationships take time. Relationships take effort. They do. And we're so busy that we don't want to take that time. But what I want to look at is in Acts chapter 2, I want to look at what the early church did. Okay, the, the context here, we've talked about this some before, but Jesus died, rose again, spent 40 days walking around teaching about the kingdom. That was what he was teaching about. Teaching about the kingdom. He goes, he ascends to heaven. You know, and you know the disciples at that time, they thought he's going to set up his kingdom. This is going to be awesome right now. But no, he said, no, you actually just go to Jerusalem and wait till you get some power. And when you get some power, you know, be my witness. So they do. And so Pentecost, it was the Feast of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes. Tongues of fire appear on, on all the people in the room. There are about 70 people. And they go out and they start speaking in tongues and they preach. And that day, 3,000 people come to Christ. So, boom, the first church, instant megachurch. <laughs> instant megachurch. You know, people bash the megachurch. Well, the first one was a megachurch. 3,000 people. Then what did they do? And that's what we're looking at. So, look with me at Acts chapter 2, page 629. And we're going to see what this community did together. Uh, starting Acts 2, 42. Now, if you look up in verse 41, it just says, uh, so those who received His word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So boom, 3,000 people, and immediately this is what they do. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. <laughs> Father, I just want to ask one more time that You would speak through Your word. We know that Your word is the power of uh, for life change. It's the information. We know that, that Jesus, you in us, you are the power for transformation. We can't, we can't change on our own. Um, and we can try really hard to clean ourselves up, but we can't. But you in us, you can. But Father, I, I also thank you that, that the context for life transformation is in community. You designed us not to be alone. You designed us to be in a group. So Father, I thank you for that. And I pray that you would open up our hearts to understand and open up our hearts to, to respond, to act on it. That if we need to make some adjustments in our life based on this passage, that, that we would do that. Uh, we love you. In your name, amen. So, real quick. What is the first thing, and I do want an answer, what's the first thing they did in verse 42? They devoted themselves to what teaching? The apostles. The apostles' teaching. Do we have apostles nowadays? 
<laughs> that could be contentious. But I would say, no, we don't. You know, the apostles, they were witnesses of the risen Christ. Um, some would say a modern-day apostle is someone with the gift of church planting or something like that. Um, but we don't have apostles like that. There's not a new word from God. So how do we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching? The Word. That's exactly right. That's why we get into the Word, because this is the Apostles' teaching. And it's my job to try and make this understandable, which I think the Holy Spirit in you will make it understandable, but my job is to to be part of that process. So, we devote ourselves to the Apostles' teaching. This is in your notes, if you're a note-taker. If you're a note-taker and you don't have one of these, there's extra up here. Raise your hand. Anybody want one? Callie? Seriously? Oh, here, let me just... <laughs> I'm, glad you said that. I'm so glad I said that too. Um, so, th- this is the first one. Christian communities study the Bible together. Study the Bible together. And, and I want you to... This is key. Listen to this. Um, anything I say, if it's not substantiated in the Word, it's worthless. My opinion is not very good. It's really not. This is the power. So, anytime I... Or any other pastor, or anybody says something, check it with the Word. You know, we all have a lot of opinions. If I'm wrong, don't trust me. <laughs> go, go to the Word. And if I'm wrong, come see me. I mean, really, if I teach something that you think is not in line with the Word, I want to know that. You know, I've made mistakes before. I probably will again. But this is our authority. So, Christian communities study the Bible together. Second thing in verse 42. They, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Then what? Fellowship. What is fellowship? Because we say that a lot. You know, Christians say that, oh, we're just going to get together for fellowship. And what we mean is, we're going to have a beer and watch the movie. You know, we're going to have a beer and watch football. Fellowship is just hanging out. Um, That's not fellowship. That's part of it. But that's not fellowship. I actually had a lot of fun studying this. Um, This is in your note. You can fill it in, then we're going to talk about fellowship. But Christian community is in fellowship with one another. The word that's translated fellowship is koinonia. And so maybe you've heard that. If you listen to Christian radio, they talk about koinonia, and you're like, what the heck is that? But, but koinonia is the word for fellowship, but it means more than just getting together. Listen to this. This is in your notes as the definition for fellowship. Fellowship is a relation between individuals which involves a common interest and a mutual active participation in that interest and in each other. Is that up there, David? Yeah. That is, for me, that is really eye-opening. Fellowship, it can be two people or more, but you get together with a common interest. So, look at us. What's our common interest? To expand the kingdom of God in our lives and the world around us. Our common interest is, I want you to grow in Christ. I want you to experience freedom in Jesus. Our common interest is, we want others to experience that also. That's our common interest. I want you to grow. I'm taking responsibility to help you grow. Give me a call. We'll meet, you know, and I hope we do this with each other. It's not just me. It's you guys with each other. So we have a common mission. It could be also the Great Commission. We're going to get to that in the next few weeks, the next few months. You know, but go make disciples. That's what Jesus told us to do. Go make disciples. So that's that's our mission. Um, so it's an active participation in that interest, in that mission. So it's not just agreeing with it. Okay, American church, let's be honest, has become a spectator sport. You come, you sit, and you watch the pastor, (laughs) right? You know, and hopefully he's good enough to keep you interested and you don't nod off. Um, And maybe you can go have lunch and remember something quality and you forget by Tuesday. Um, 
it's become kind of a spectator. What is it? 20% do 80% of the work? You know, something like that. And that's in general in, in churches as well. That's, that's not the way God designed it. He designed us to all be participants with each other. And we all have different gifts. We're going to get over into this in the next few months. But we all have a part to play. We're not all, all teachers and speakers, you know. Um, I think the number one fear, Alex and I were talking about, the number one fear, fear for Americans is public speaking. Number two is death. <laughs> you know, so, so we're not all made to do this. We're not all made to teach. We're not all made to lead worship. I'm not made to lead worship. Callie says I'm tone deaf. Um, but I do it right now because I have to. One of you will step up soon and go, no, this is how you do it. And that'll be better. Um, but, but we all have a, a part to play. And God designed you to play. So it's an active participation in the interest and in each other. Get that. An interest in each other. I don't want to use you for what you can do for me or for this church. You know, I don't want to use... you know. Alex. He's a good friend. You know, he's our, our on the elder board. You know, he I don't want to use him. He's got a busy life, whatever, but I'm not using him for what I can get out of him. I want to build into him. I care about him. And we're going to use each other to a certain extent to carry out the mission. But we care about each other. You know, our men's group, we meet Tuesday nights. It's fun, to be honest, because we really care about each other. And my favorite part about that is watching them care about each other. My favorite part is when a text goes out. And four of the other guys respond before I ever get around to it. And sometimes I never get around to it. Um, but when people really care about each other, somebody has a need and somebody else shows up. You know, we care about each other. We are interested in each other. We don't use each other. That's fellowship. Let me read that all again. Koinonia. Fellowship. It's a relation between individuals which involves a common interest and a mutual active participation in that interest and in each other. Again, if you didn't get that, if you didn't fill it in, but our common interest is the expansion of the kingdom of God in our lives and the world around us. It's easy. That's our, our mission statement. Listen, real growth, real growth, and we're talking about life change, personal growth, real growth takes place in relationships. That's a fact. Real growth takes place in relationships. If you look in your life and you've seen those, those tabletop times, you know, you were growing and then you just kind of hit a plateau, it's quite possible in that time, for one, you, you stopped hanging out in the Word, or for two, you stopped hanging out with other believers. That would, that would pull you up. Um, continuing on with fellowship, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 talks about this. And I think that's up here, so you don't have to turn there. But it says this, And let us consider... That means think, you know, deliberate. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Sometimes that that word stimulate is is spur. You know, like riding a horse, spur. So we're to spur one another on to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together. So what we're doing, we're actually told to do this. We're supposed to get together. This is a good thing. Um, As is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So in your notes there, according to these verses, our fellowship should include spurring one another. Okay? It, our culture says don't tell people what to do. You know, I'll do what I want to do. You know, don't judge me. And, and I'm not saying we judge each other, but we encourage each other. We spur one another on to love and good deeds. That's why next week we're going to go deliver food. Would you have done that by yourself? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> this is a way that we're going to spur each other on. To go do something out of the box. <laughs> you know, and once you start getting the habit of doing those things, it gets easier. 
But we, we spur one another on to love and good deeds and encourage one another. How often do you hear people say things like, I, I don't go to church because I just feel judged. Or, or I go and I leave feeling, feeling down, <laughs> feeling you know, rotten. That's not the point. Now, we should feel convicted of sin. Absolutely. We can be convicted to, you know, the past few weeks. I'm not in the Word enough. I need to get on that. But we shouldn't wallow in guilt. Oh, I'm not doing, you know. Or after today, oh, I'm not in relationships. I'm such a bad Christian. That's not the point. When we get together, we want to leave encouraged, built up. My desire, when I meet with people, one-on-one or whatever, I want them to walk away with a smile. They've, they felt built up. They felt encouraged. They haven't felt knocked down, destroyed. You know, they've, they've been built up. That's, that's the goal, okay, is encouraging one another. Um, this is, you know, I've shared before, I'm not strong in compassion. Encouragement for me takes effort. You know, I'll recognize something really good, you know, in James. But I won't, no, seriously, there's a lot of good things about you. He's back there shaking. But I don't often say it. it for me, it takes an effort of, I appreciate this about this person. I need to tell them that. I need to, to show them I appreciate. That's encouraging. I, I'll tell you, I love hearing encouragement. It builds me up when someone says, you know, you did this and you did this really well or whatever. This impacted me this way. And I'm, I didn't realize that. You know, that's a big deal. Do you encourage one? That's part of fellowship. You know, I look at Matt and go, man, you rock on the drums. <laughs> you know, it adds so much to the music to have drums. Thank you. Good job. Thank you. I didn't mean that. <laughs> See there, tearing down. No, but but we do. We want to encourage. We want to we want to build up. Um, that's part of fellowship. Um, one other thing, Ecclesiastes four nine through twelve. Do we have that one? Already there. Man, you're faster than me. Um, oh, <laughs> Ecclesiastes four nine through twelve says this: two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has no other to lift him up. And if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold, threefold cord is not quickly broken. Way back in the Old Testament, we were meant to be in relationships. We were meant to be in community with one another so that we can pick each other up. None of us is perfect. We stumble. We fall. And if you're there, a brother or a sister can, can pick you up, can encourage you, can lead you on. If you get attacked, you, you can win in the fight. That's what it says. Um, Though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. Um, we got each other's backs. I, I'm not saying we should go out and fight. Um, but we got each other's backs. Again, community is the context of transformation. One more, Galatians 6.1. Galatians 6.1, because this goes along with what Ecclesiastes says. If somebody stumbles, falls, we can pick them up. This is part of Christian community, and this is a part we don't like. Galatians 6.1, brothers or sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, that's sin, you who are spiritual, which be any of us who are walking with Christ, that's us, we are spiritual, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, Keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted. Our job isn't to judge one another. What have we talked about? We'll accept everybody right where they're at. We want that. We want anybody to walk through those doors. We accept each other where we're at, but we, we love each other too much to leave them there. So, if you have a struggle with sin, guess what? 
You're going to get love and acceptance. But then you're going to get help. And that's what he says in Galatians. If someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore them. We should come alongside. If somebody in here, or I would say even another Christian that you know, if they're struggling with sin and you know about it, you actually have a duty to go do something about it. You know, the Bible talks about remove the speck from, or the log from your own eye before you can remove the speck from your brother's eye. But it's a loving thing. It's not a judgmental, hey, I'm better than you. You need to stop doing that. It's a coming alongside. You see how, how it's written in Galatians. Restore him with a spirit of gentleness. With a spirit of gentleness. So we gently come, come alongside. I see you're getting angry with your wife, aren't you? Is that a habit? You know, how can we... <laughs> how can we work on that? You know, the Bible teaches you know you're to to treat her like like fine china, fine china. How can I help you treat her the way you're supposed to treat her? You know, or a wife is is uh, you know not submissive and just kind of bullhead and or or contentious or you know. One of you ladies can come alongside and say, you know, I, I see that you really like to pick at your husband. <laughs> we need to work on that because that's that's not the way it's supposed to be. But we do that in the right spirit. When you do that correctly, that person doesn't feel judged. That person feels uplifted. Uplifted. Um, so this is in your notes. This is number three. What, what does Christian community do? Number three, Christian community lovingly confronts fellow believers caught in sin in order to help and restore them. So what do we see? Number one, Christian community is devoted to the Word. Okay? The Apostles' teaching. Number two, Christian community is, is committed to fellowship. Get together. You know, we're not Lone Ranger Christians. There's no such thing. And you hear people say that. Well, I love Jesus. I just don't like the church. Well, the church is the bride of Christ. <laughs> you know, we're meant... You know, I don't need to go to church because I, I got my own Bible and I go do that. You should have your own Bible and go do that. But we should get together also. And then here, as we get together, we encourage, we build up, and we confront, lovingly confront when needed. Um, you know, I've been reading a, a book some on, on addictions and um, Alcohol Anonymous. You know, that's one of those. It, it had a, a Christian beginning. And they have seen a lot of success in AA. And I think there's a couple reasons. The first is there's a higher power. You know, they have to find that higher power. And they've changed that, from what I understand, to a higher power. It can be anything, but really... That power has to be Christ. So life change happens in Christ. The second thing AA does is matches you up with a sponsor. Someone who's going to hold you accountable. Someone who, when you're about to stumble, you call them. They check in. That's biblical. <laughs> AA began with, with biblical roots. You know, we start with the Word, but we show up for one another. James 5.16 reiterates the same thing. It says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Do you have people you tell your sin to? All of it? <laughs> All the dirty, little, horrible things in your head? Do you have people you can share that with? That you'll receive love and acceptance back? I'll tell you, there's nothing you could tell me that would surprise me. I've heard, I've heard it all. Do you have those people? If you don't, you need those people. You do. You need those people. Men, come Tuesday night. Come Tuesday night. We can share that stuff. But, but real growth takes place. And I, I've been saying this over and over if you haven't heard it. Real growth takes place in relationships. Real growth takes place in relationships. Uh, I, I think the first time I really experienced, I experienced this some in high school. You know, I had some good friends and, and youth group friends who would call and, and check on and, and whatever. Um, 
But it really happened in college. We had a, a life group, me and three other guys, and we started getting together. Um, and one of them initiated it. But it was the first time I really experienced this thing. We actually went in a closet. It was weird. Um, nobody's rooms because we didn't. We, we found this closet that it was a storage closet. And we went in there and we brought our chairs and we shut the door and locked. Nobody knew we were in there. And we did life together. And we shared things. You know, one of the guys, one of the things that, that just stressed him out was he had sweaty hands. <laughs> and and I, uh, my first thought is, well, that's dumb. <laughs> Why would you worry? About, but it impacted his life. And he stressed, it, it brought him to tears at times. But he could share about his struggle and then we could pray together. And we shared our sin. We shared our sin with each other and got acceptance back and accountability. You know, it was because of that group and, and moving on that as time went on when I was in college, I had those guys that would check on me. When Callie and I started dating, you know, she had Brendan. Brendan was a cute little baby. Um, but because of that, you know, she, she couldn't go out much. She had a little baby. And so I'd go hang out at her house. But my friends, these people would go, how late are you going to stay? <laughs> I'd be leaving the house to go to Callie's house. When are you going to be home? What are you, my mom? Yeah. If you're not home by 11, I'm coming to get you. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, my friends were looking out for me. They knew the temptation that was there. We're meant to be in community. You know, and early on, I, I experienced that and realized my need for it. What about you? Do you recognize that need? And are you doing it? Are you finding those people? Are you in those relationships? Again, real growth takes place in relationships. There's one other thing that I think comes with, with fellowship from these relationships, and it's from Proverbs 15.22. And Proverbs 15.22 says, With many counselors, plans succeed. With many counselors, plans succeed. Often, when we just make decisions on our own, we can make the wrong one. But when you seek wise counsel... And, and multiple people, a lot of times it'll either affirm, you know, confirm your decision or tell you to do something else. That's another really important part of being in these relationships. We do this a lot in our men's group. Sometimes we'll get together and one of the guys will say, all right, I want to know all y'all's thoughts. And we don't say that, but tell me your thoughts on this. Here's what's going on in my life or whatever. What do you guys think? And it's fun because people will start sharing. And people will open, well, the Bible says this here. Oh, I didn't think about that. Or, you know, in my life this happened. And, and, and I think we make better decisions when we do that. When we put those out. When we have people we can go to for wise counsel. So, let's go back to our passage, okay? Back to verse 42. They gave themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And then what? Eat to the breaking of bread. Yeah. They got together and they had meals. <laughs> they just got together and ate. There's something intimate about a meal, isn't it? You get together, you talk. You ask people their story. You get to hear their life. That's fun. But we're, we're supposed to get together not just on Sunday. This is good. We should do this. But I would contend the most valuable time is not here. You know, I, I read something once that said, you know, list the top five sermons that have changed your life. You know, and I would think about it. The top five sermons that have changed your life, you probably can't. You probably can't. But then list the, the top five circumstances, things that happen in your life that, that produce life change. You can probably think of that closer. Then list your top five relationships, those top five people that made an impact. And boom, that's where you can probably quickly go, my dad, my youth pastor, my, you know what I mean? You can quickly list those off. Relationships are really important. Are really important. So I would contend that 
when we start doing outpost groups, those might even be more important than this. This is very important. That is even more important because that's where you get known. Okay, you can hide in a crowd. Even a crowd this big, you can hide, can't you? You can pretend life is good. You can hear. You can take your notes. But it's when you start getting around this and going, you know, okay, how are you? This week we talked about relationships. How are you with that? Not great. What do you need? I need somebody to confess my sin to. Bring it. <laughs> That's when things start to change. And then when that person calls you later in the week or sends you a text, I'm praying for you. How are you doing on this? That's when things start to change because you're not doing it alone. So, this is uh, number four, but it's in there. We do life together. I think that's part of what eating is. You do life together. You do life together. Eating meals and taking the Lord's Supper. I think that's part of what's meant here when it says breaking the bread. They got together to break bread. You know, and they did this house to house. We'll see that. But they went to people's houses. They ate together. And when they did that, they often did the Lord's Supper. We did that a couple weeks ago. But you take the Lord's Supper, you, you drink the cup, you eat the bread, remembering what Jesus did. So we're, we're always, our basis is always Jesus and what He did for us. Because we're now sons and daughters of the King. So we remember that with excitement. It's a celebration. So we get together, we eat, and we celebrate. How fun. But then we also look forward to His coming. He said, do this until I come back. And so part of that, getting together and having the Lord's Supper, is looking forward. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. So we do this together. We're told to do this together. The early church did this together. And there's one other thing in verse 42. There's a lot in this verse. What else did they do? Prayer. Prayer. They got together. They prayed. Is there anything more intimate than prayer? Have you ever had the time where your husband or your wife said, let's pray together. And you went, I don't want to. <laughs> and why not? Because who? God sees right through you. <laughs> You can't pretend anything with God. So when you're praying, that's real vulnerability. And it's uncomfortable to pray with your wife, with your husband. I, it is. The more you do it, it gets easier. You know, it gets easier. And let me tell you, it takes both. This morning, you know, Kat and I were waking up and she said, hey, we should pray. You're right. We should, you know, and I appreciate it. It's not just men. We are the leaders in the home. Absolutely. And I would, I would say this falls to you men. You should be initiating this prayer. But ladies, it's okay to pinch your husband and go, we haven't prayed in a couple of days. <laughs> Let's pray. And men, our response is, absolutely. Thanks for taking the lead right there. But, but we pray together. We pray with our kids. You pray with your kids. And that's why we began today by just praying. By just praying. Our hearts are knit together in prayer. Again, Jesus is the essence for transformation. So we go to Him and we go to Him together. Real growth takes place in relationships. Now let's look on. We're going to zip through kind of the rest of this. But after verse 42, what, what happens? Okay, When a community does this, all these things we just talked about, what's the result? Verse 43, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. They were in awe of what God was doing. To a certain extent, we're in awe of what God is even doing here. Um, but they were in awe of what God was doing. Verse 44, And all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. So, we should be communists. <laughs> I'm just saying if you're awake. No, that's not the point. Jesus was not a communist. But they had all things in common. Now, some people did sell their properties. You know, some people did those things, but, but most didn't. You know, but they did have all things in common. Meaning, if somebody among them had a need and they could meet that need, they met that need. You know, I got an extra car. You need a car. 
use this car. <laughs> you know, that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we're supposed to be, you know, sharing with one another and giving generously. And I've witnessed that with this group. People in this group have already gone and sold stuff <laughs> to provide for what we're doing. We've witnessed this happening. Um, verse 45, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. That's hard, especially in our culture, isn't it? You know, we have all our stuff, but if, you know, if David is in need and I have something I don't need that I can sell to provide for his need, I should do that. Now, again, this isn't a cross... I mean, this is something you go to prayer and go, is this what you want me to do, God? But we're to be providing for one another. I've experienced this in, in my life, um, and it's been kind of neat. You know, I've shared this story some before, but when Callie and I first got married, I lived in Russia. I, I flew back, we got married. Her and Brendan moved back with me. Um, everything changed. We had a plan. We were going to be missionaries overseas. Everything changed. We had to come back. And we had no money. <laughs> And I had to quit my job that, I, you know, we had no money. And we had just met this couple. They were going to the church we were going to there in Russia. And uh, one day they just gave us a card with 500 bucks in it. They're like, we just think you need this. <laughs> we do. <laughs> and they had no, we hadn't told anybody we needed that. But they showed up and they provided. That was a lot of money. That was a lot of money. You know, are we, are we willing to sacrifice for each other? That's what they were doing as any had need. Uh, verse 46, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They were gathered in two places. Where were they? The temple and in each other's homes. The, the early church had a small group ministry. <laughs> they did. They got together in a large group like a Sunday service at the temple, but then they also got together in small groups and homes. They broke bread with gladness of heart. They were thankful for what God is doing. Aren't the flies supposed to be dead by now? That's a bee. Sting him. Um, verse 47, Praising God and having favor with all the people. They lived with thankfulness. And I hope that we continue to have that spirit, just a spirit of thankfulness. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Look at that. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. How did Jesus tell them that others would know that, that Jesus had come, that others would know we are His disciples? By our love for one another. Our love for one another is our best testimony to the world. Do you know that? Not your love for the world, which we should have, your love for one another. The Bible talks about our priorities. You, Christians, are my first priority. My family is my first priority. You're my second. Non-believers, they should be a priority, but they come after you. That's what the Bible says. You know, um, I think it was Paul. He said, do good to all, but especially to the brethren. But especially to the brethren. They will know you are my disciples by the way you love one another. And when this happens, when you live this, many Many. It says, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Who added to their number? The Lord did the work. <laughs> so that's for us. You know, our heart is to see the, the kingdom expand. But who's going to do that work? God is. We just show up. We just show up and then we get to witness Him doing great things. That's what's so exciting about this. Life change happens in community. And as that happens, others see and they go, I want in on that. I want in. Really? Look at that group. And I would say this, um, 
Our planting church is common ground down in Vegas. And I, I talk often to Ben. He's the pastor there. They planted in Arizona first. Um, now they're planting there. But I, I talk to Ben and he talks about, you know, things are different over here in the West. We don't live in the East. We don't live in the Bible Belt in the South. We live in the West. And in general, the way we're going to reach people, and this is proven, especially out in the West, the, the way we're going to reach people is people are going to be attracted to you and to our community, then to Christ. That's, in general, that's the order. They'll see there's something different about you. I want to be friends. And then you go, hey, come hang out with us. You know, bring friends next week. We're going to go do this food thing. Hey, come, come hang out with us. We're, we're doing this or that. And they go, this group is different. I like this group. Why? Because of Jesus. Huh? That's kind of the order. Now, that's not always been the case. I think there's been times in history where people were, were reasoned, where, where they just believed in a God and they went here first. Um, in Paul's day, you know, he'd go into the, the town square and just start preaching. People would come up and go, what are you talking about? I want to hear this. That's not the world we live in, especially here in Nevada. People will be attracted to you and to our group, then to Christ. And we've got to be okay with that. But, but that's the order. And you, you kind of see this here. He added to their number daily. John 17, 21, Jesus prayed this. It's the high priestly prayer. He prayed this you know, not long before he, he left us. But he prayed to the Father. He said that they may all be one. That's us. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. So he prayed that we would be united so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Our unity is a testimony to the world. And I believe there's a, you know, we are common ground, just one little church. There's other good churches around, and we want to show unity with those churches too. We want others to see the churches united for, for one purpose. Not, well, we're a better church than them, or we're, but that's not the point. You know, we have people here that are going to several, and that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. We want to show this unity so that people say, see this. Um, the example that I, I wanted to give as I was thinking about this that came is, uh, is geese. Now, as I started, and I knew some things about geese, but as I looked it up, is there a picture of geese? Yeah. This is actually really cool. Um, and I think God did this on purpose. He gave us a, a, an illustration in nature. Um, fact. This is kind of a, some things I found online. As a, each goose flaps its wings, you know, you see the V. Oh, that's cool. Oh, there's the V. Um, as each goose flaps its wings, it creates an uplift for the birds that follow. By flying in a V, there's a 71% greater flying range than if they fly alone. So a flock can go 71% farther than one goose by itself. Because as they flap, you know, it creates that, that updraft. It's kind of cool. Um, fact, when a goose falls out of formation, it suddenly feels the drag and resistance of flying alone, and it quickly moves back into formation to take advantage of the lifting power of the bird immediately in front of it. Um, the lesson it has is, uh, if we has, have as much sense as a goose, we stay in formation with those headed where we want to go. I think that's really cool. We stay in formation with those headed where we want to go. We're willing to accept their help and to give our help to others. Just like the goose. You know, are we going in the same direction together? And are, are we willing to ask for help? And are we willing to, to give that help? Um, uh, the lesson after the first one. People who share a common direction and sense of community can get where they're going more quickly and easily because they're sharing the momentum they generate with one another. That's absolutely true. The momentum. Um, I hope our excitement is contagious for, for what we want to do. And as we start seeing life change, that we're going to share those. You know, we shared that last week. One of our measures for success is stories of life change. We find those, we, we share them. Uh, the goose. Fact. When the lead goose tires 
it rotates back into formation and another goose flies up into the front. They take turns leading. Uh, the lesson that says it, it, it pays to take turns doing the hard tasks and sharing leadership. As with geese, people are inter interdependent on each other's skills, capabilities, and unique combinations of gifts, talents, and resources. That is such a fact. Do you know the average church size in the U.S.? It's 80 people. Do you know why? I think the reason why, and, and studies show this, the reason why is because one person can shepherd about that many people. The pastor's doing all the work. <laughs> the pastor's doing all the work, but that's not the plan. The plan is to share leadership. The plan is to, to take turns doing those hard things. You know, I led the men's group, but now that's really David's responsibility. He's responsible for that men's group. I'm not. And we should be constantly doing that, seeking to, to pass on responsibility to others um, and sharing leadership. That's part of community. Um, this one was cool. I didn't even know this. Fact, the geese flying in formation honk to encourage those in front to keep up their speed. Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, how did they know that, actually? <laughs> did they ask? A, but that's what they said. Um, but, but the lesson is very valid. We need to make sure our honking is encouraged. <laughs> so we want to be honking at each other. In groups where most interaction takes the form of supporting one another, the productiveness of the whole is much greater. The power of encouragement to stand by one's uh, heart or core values and influence the heart and core values of, of others is the type of honking we seek. Um, you guys ever listen to TED Talks, podcasts? They're kind of fun. I was listening to a TED Talk, and it was totally non-Christian. But it was a study this, this very liberal person did on, on how groups succeed. And, and most groups don't succeed. The, the greatest success isn't from all stars in the group. The greatest success is when they build relationships and, rely, and each has a part. Um, so you can have like a group of mediocre people and another group of all stars, and the mediocre group will go farther if they, they actually work together, which is really cool. Um, fact, last one, when a goose gets sick, wounded or shot down. Two geese drop out of formation and follow it to help and protect it. They stay with it until it dies or is able to fly again. And then they launch out uh, with another formation to catch up to the flock. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So not just one goes down, but two. Two drop out of formation to protect it, to stay with it till it dies, or then they can take off together. Is that us? <laughs> When one of us drops, do we go, oh, they're just a bad Christian? Or do we even, two of us, go to, to lift them up? Hey, we're here for you. Yeah, you fell. That's okay. I've fallen too. Let's help each other. Are we that type of community? Community is the context for transformation. So what's our application? Our application really should be clear on this. Are you in those relationships? Are you committed to being in those relationships? Or are you a lone ranger? Are you a John Wayne Christian? I can do it on my own. Let me tell you, you can't. You can't. And if you have seen plateaus in your life, maybe it's because you're not in those relationships. Maybe it's because you're not known. And you know what? It takes vulnerability to be known. It takes humility to share your sin. It takes humility, I would say especially men, but it's all of us. It takes humility to go, I'm not where I want to be yet. Will you help me get there? Again, we aren't doing outpost groups until probably March or April because we want, we want to form our, our basis. We want to train leaders so that we shepherd well, so we do this well, so that we share leadership. If that's you, come talk to us because we're going to start training before long. Um, but until then, don't, don't wait. Get in relationships. Get in relationships. And if you need help doing that, come see me, Alex, Callie, Kelsey, Dan, Kara, you know, David or Laura. Um, 
come see somebody. And we'll make that happen. Men, Tuesday nights. Ladies, you figure it out. <laughs> Let me pray, and then we'll worship. Heavenly Father, um, I thank you that you have not designed us to live alone. Um, I thank you that you have given us relationships. Father, I, th- I thank you that none of us are perfect. There, there's, not, there's not this, uh, <laughs> this perfect person that we all look at and go, oh, we want to be like that, so we pretend to be. Although we do sometimes pretend. But I just thank you. I thank you for your Holy Spirit in us. Um, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for everybody in this tent right now. Um, and I thank you for those who are, are part of this group who aren't here today. God, um, you are forming a group, God. And some of us here know that we are committed to this. You've called us to this. Not all of us are there yet. And that's okay. And maybe not all of us here are called to this flock. Maybe we're supposed to be part of another one. And we, we need to take this truth and go plug in there. And that's great, Father. Um, But show us. Give us the courage and the humility to take the next step in community. Father, we we love you. We trust you. We're going to close in song, God, because we love you. Um, We want you to be glorified. You say in your Bible to sing a new song. Um, And so that's what we're going to do. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing one more song. Just one? Just one. Which one? How great is our God? Last song.